0: You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests,
1: and a whole lot more.
0: Hey, everyone. This is Tony Lopes, host of the Self-Made Strategies podcast, welcoming you to a special COVID-19 release where we interviewed Rob Lawless of Rob's 10K Friends, Rob really brings a lot of positive energy and sends a wonderful message about how even though we have to stay inside to get past this horrible virus that's overcoming the globe, you can still connect with people on a very intimate level. Please stay tuned throughout the entire episode to hear everything that Rob has to share with us. But don't forget to go hit subscribe and also drop us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks very much. We really appreciate you listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast, coming to you remotely because we are all locked indoors right now. To that end, with me today is Rob Lawless, joining us on the phone from Rob's 10K Friends. Hey, Rob. What's up, Anthony? Hey, how you doing? How you doing, man? Yeah, great. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Excited to talk about your mission. I know you and I have been circling the wagons on each other for a little bit here. You you started this journey to meet 10,000 people and to connect with 10,000 people face-to-face, obviously. Today, you are at around... 3,259 that you've posted. So 3,259 people that you've met since you started back in May of 2013. Really cool. Awesome social experiment. I think it's really interesting your backstory and how you got into all of this. So we're really excited to hear more about
1: it. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a good journey so far. And I did not anticipate a pandemic being something to to change the course of it in any way, but no one saw that coming with their lives. So yeah, it's crazy. And it's a a good time to chat. I think any interaction is important right now. So I appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. And also it's a good time just in general with all of the, obviously we're all sort of freaked out by this and, and a little bit concerned because we don't know where this is headed, but it's great to be able to share a positive message about connecting with other people and collaborating on a project like this. So really psyched to get into this with you. Yeah, for sure. So back in May of 2013, Rob graduated summa cum laude from Penn State University with a degree in finance and minors in accounting and entrepreneurship. After graduation, Rob began his career with Deloitte Consulting as a business analyst in strategy and operations. It was his reach job at the time, but about a year and a half into it, Rob pulled a millennial move and took a large pay cut, left the PowerPoint decks and spreadsheets for the laid back $24 million venture funded RJ metrics. While at RJ, Rob worked as a sales rep where he cold emailed people every day asking them to hop on the phone for 30 minutes to chat about their product. His job being in sales, he often received responses like the following actual replies, quote, take me off your mailing list, cockroach, quote, I understand that this is your job. That being said, if asking a girl out for coffee and she ignores you twice and finally says no, you do not ask whether this is a no just for now or a no forever. And you certainly did not ask her why you are not her type. Disclaimer, I've never used that strategy on girls. That was a quote from one of the email responses that you got. And another was not interested and you're really starting to annoy me. (laughs) <laughs> yep. I think I've gotten that one a couple times maybe from, uh, from a variety of people as well. So along with a bunch of those factors that Rob mentions in his first blog post, he started this project to see if he could meet with people to chat for an hour for absolutely no reason and held his first meeting on November 11th of 2015. He was rejected way less. The responses were all positive and encouraging. And he's met some amazing people with incredible backgrounds who would all consider themselves normal. On Monday, June 20th of 2016, RJ Metrics was acquired by a larger company, which no longer needed Rob's position. So Rob dove in full time on his endeavor to meet 10,000 different people for an hour each. Since then, Rob's met over 3,200 people, as we said, as of right now, that's March of 2020, across 20 cities in the United States and Canada, and has driven across the United States six separate times And has even been featured by some awesome press sources, including Ryan Seacrest on his nationally syndicated radio show On Air with Ryan Seacrest, as well as Your Morning, a national Canadian morning show. Rob loves adventure and loves potential. Over the last three and a half years or so, he's found this project to have had both. So he's been greatly satisfied with how it's gone so far and can't wait to continue giving it his 110% to see where it takes him in the future. The last thought is he's had great experiences meeting new people. So if you feel so inclined, give it a try and let him know how it goes for you. Now, you can also check out Rob's main account, which is Rob's 10K Friends. That's Rob's 10 k Friends on Instagram. And you can also look at his website if you want more information, robs10kfriends.com. Now, Rob, tell us from the beginning, this is this is really exciting for me because I love meeting new people as well. I, I think everyone has their own unique and interesting story. So that, it, it's such an awesome thing to hear about that somebody else decided to go out there and really just connect with people on a one-on-one.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it goes back to, I think, my childhood even where I... It's funny because sometimes people will ask me and say, were you really shy as a kid and did you not have friends in school? And so this is your way of overcoming that. And it's actually the opposite where I've always been a people person. Mm -hmm. I've always, like I remember being in grade school and being excited to get to high school because there would be more people for me to know. And I remember being excited to go to Penn state because the student body was 40,000 people. And That was one of the big draws for me to attend school there. And I'm the youngest of three, so both my older siblings went there. And they kind of gave me an idea of what to get involved with uh, when I became a student. So my freshman year, I joined the Penn State Dance Marathon, which is is huge up at Penn State. And I also uh, did Habitat for Humanity trips over spring breaks. I joined a fraternity the spring semester of my freshman year. I became a tour guide and campus ambassador during my sophomore year and then I was involved with the Penn State homecoming as a captain during my senior year. So I always had my hand in something and from that I built this really natural large group of friends who provided a lot of fulfillment in my life and I noticed when I left Penn State and went into consulting for Deloitte I was really miserable and I expected that I was supposed to be that way because like you go from such a fun environment surrounded by all of your friends to the real world and you're there to work and make money, not really to have fun. And so for a while, I just thought that that was what life was supposed to be like. But the entrepreneurship side of me always told me that there is a way to create your own path and, and be able to sustain a living doing something you love. And so knowing that I loved people, i came up with this idea in january of 2014 to meet 10,000 people in one year and at that time like i wasn't thinking as long term i just thought it would be a cool project to do in a year and i thought i would meet each person for 10 minutes um and I, I honestly had no idea where i thought it could go but i i thought it would be successful and now looking back on it i don't think it would it, 10 minutes with each person is such a short amount of time and i think there was a there would have been a lot of like, it wouldn't have been as genuine if I had done it back then. And so I just let it sit. And over time as I matured and I I gained experience at Deloitte and left Deloitte to go to RJ Metrics, then I decided, okay, once I moved into Philly for the RJ Metrics job, to me, it kind of felt like moving back onto a campus, except this time the campus was Philadelphia as opposed to state college. And from there, I just kind of, started reaching out to people and like I had no fear of reaching out to strangers and getting rejected because as you already read I I was used to getting some pretty mean responses from people and I learned how to turn that emotion off. Yeah, that so, was uh some of I those had,
0: were pretty harsh I have to admit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah, the sales is such a funny time because it's like people are mad at the character of who you are at that time because like I would be mad if I was getting the emails that I was giving out because it's like you you email someone and then you follow up three days later and then they don't answer and you follow up three days later and as a salesperson, it's just a numbers game, and you know that the amount of emails that you put out is gonna get a certain number of responses and a certain number of those people are gonna hop on a call and a certain number of them are gonna move forward so and that was one of the things that surprised me I wanted to always wanted to go into sales because I thought that it would be a very personable thing but it wasn't like a super long sales cycle where you're really spending time getting to know someone I was just opening the door to conversations and then passing it off to account executives and so you're much more like a robot than a person Uh, so I learned to turn the emotion off but those experiences that I gained as a salesperson were extremely helpful for me and I, I use a lot of those skills of again like that plays to pitching brands for partnerships. You have to be able to send them an email and if they don't follow up, like not be afraid to to follow up and to follow up multiple times. Um, so yeah, that is eventually like was doing that in September of 2015. And then that led to me having my first meeting in November of 2015. And as you mentioned, I was laid off eight months later and then took this full time and the last like July will be four years of, of full-time me just meeting people and somehow finding a way to survive and hopefully thrive in the future.
0: Yeah, that's great. And so just real quick, taking a step back, focusing on that specific moment. Obviously, we're recording this remotely. We have the COVID-19 thing going on. So we're doing our our part to stay indoors and away from each other to, to hopefully flatten sure. the curve and stop the spread of this thing. But focusing on that transitionary period in your life. So you get laid off, you're focused on this Side project, essentially, that at the time is generating little revenue, no revenue. Walk us through that. Where was it in terms of your sponsorships and your revenue generation?
1: Oh, when I was laid off, n- nothing. I wow. When I was laid off, I'd only met 100 people at that time. My following on Instagram was probably like 200 people, if that, maybe 300. But I enjoyed the, pro- the process of what I was doing. Like I enjoyed actually sitting down with people for an hour. Uh, so it was more of me doing what I loved and kind of believing that the money would come than doing something for the money. And I was always a thrifty person. And so when I, my first two years of my career, I lived back at my parents' house and I had student loans to pay off and whatnot, but I was able to do that within the first few years of graduating because I didn't really have rent the first couple years. Um, and I was never really a big spender. I was always saving my money for what felt like taking a leap. And then, When I did that, when I was laid off, I decided, okay, I'm going to go into this full time for two to three months. And if it seems promising, then I'll continue. And if not, I'll just hop back into a consulting job with a company like Deloitte. And I think that having Deloitte on my resume, having that experience gave me a lot of confidence as a fallback because I felt like I could take this risk without completely screwing myself. I could go back into an interview with really good stories if I needed to. And so, That two to three months then turned into me like finishing my lease out in Philadelphia, which was uh, my lease went until the end of the following May. So it was like 11 months. And then at that point, my friend TJ, who was my roommate at Penn State, invited me to go out to Los Angeles to stay with him. So he had moved there from Pennsylvania after school and he had this apartment on, on, on the beach in Long Beach and it was just him there living by himself. And he said, hey, if you want to come out here, I have an extra bedroom for you. I can host you for the summer. Stay as long as you need to. So that was the first time in, in June of 2017 I, I drove out there to be with him. And I guess I should note at that point, like the first sponsor I had was November of 2016. So that would have been probably like four, five months after I was laid off. And it was actually... Uh, Jake, who was the COO of the company that laid me off. So RJ Metrics, I'm not sure if you're familiar, had two products. And one was acquired by this company Magento. And then one spun off into a new startup. So Jake became the CEO of the new startup. And he and I had had a good relationship. And I had a good relationship with Bob Moore as well. And so I texted Jake and I was like, hey, I want you to sponsor my project. And he said no. and I was like, okay, well, how much did you think I was going to ask for? And he was like, all right, good, good point. I don't I don't really know. And so I just asked for like $100 because um, I wanted to see what it felt like to have a sponsor attached to the project because I was worried that it would take away from the authenticity of it. But in those times, I would just put the caption and then put presented this month by Stitch Data, his company. Um, and then that right before I left for L.A., I started using that for other companies. I had um, Fishtown Pharmacy in Fishtown was like the first true sponsor that I had outside of someone that I knew. And then the next month it was Vibe Urgent Care. And the month after that was Team Dental in Northern Liberties. And then after that, it was a leadership program, Leadership Philadelphia. And then I went out to LA. Um, So I can stop there. I know I just said a lot and hopefully I didn't confuse you at all. But yeah, that is up to the point of me going out to LA for the first time. Uh, and going to LA where I was fortunate enough to not have rent.
0: Yeah. Wow. So that's incredible. Just to unpack that a little bit, just because we're kind of in uncertain times, obviously a lot of people are facing financial uncertainty right now. So I think there's a lot of good positive um, tips that can be taken out of what you just said. So at least for me, and correct me if I'm wrong, and we'll kind of talk our way through this, It sounds like you really took a step back. Okay, you got laid off, your income got shut down, and you focused on, okay, what can I do to control my outcomes and my destiny from here on out? And I know it's not that easy, especially when you're facing financial uncertainty. You had some things going for you already and some momentum with this project already, but nonetheless, you took a step back and you said, it is what it is. Things are what they are right now, and here's what I can start doing today to head in that direction. And then you took those steps to start proactively controlling your own outcomes and destiny, reaching out to people saying, hey, um, will you sponsor this project that I'm working on? And you you did not take no for an answer, which is pretty incredible. You really persevered through that situation. That's very admirable.
1: Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I've always felt that way. I think I've always been a big believer in control the controllable and it's almost like life to me strategy wise is almost like a board game and it's kind of just like now being inside it's changed the rules like i can't go out and meet people it's crazy because before this started the concept of my project was so like fulfilling and uplifting to people to see a guy going around and connecting with random strangers and then it's like the landscape became such that if you're out connecting with strangers you're doing the world like a a huge disservice. And so, fortunately, I feel like I recognized that early on and I postponed my project. I announced last Wednesday, so like 10 days ago. And then, right after that, is like when it, it felt like everything started to hit the fan. And so, then it became okay, like, what are you going to do? And at first, because I wanted to, a part of me wanted to have my project be just all in person meetings, but and it's like, how do you survive two or three months keeping this audience engaged that you built up that wants to follow the stories of people you're meeting? And a lot of people were recommending I go on to Zoom or Skype. And then I talked to one of my friends, Chris, who runs another inspiring project called Special Books by Special Kids. And he's like in a situation where he interviews people with rare diagnoses from around the world. And so he also like the game has changed for him. And he was saying he's going virtual. and the thing he said to me was these are like i think we're living right now in historic times that will be in line with times like the great depression and he was like i think documenting this time for other people is is a service to everyone and so that was kind of like what tipped me into going yeah. virtual but it just reminds me of the fact that i feel like life is a board game and The one that I, have you ever played Settlers of Catan?
0: I don't know the game super well. So just give us a a brief sort of 30,000 foot view of how the game works.
1: So there's like five different resources. It's like wood, sheep, or uh, wheat, and one other thing. And like, depending on where you're positioned, someone rolls a die and you get those resources. And then from there, it's like you use a certain combination of resources to build roads and houses um kind of like monopoly um but the the basis is you have a limited amount of resources, and you can either go out and try to get resources through the die like for me, I think about it like in life, resources are money, they' friendships, you can go out and trade your time for money or you can try to like um, rely on your friends to to make it easier so that you don't have to spend as much money it's like I think a lot of people, you just have to look at what you have in your life, identify your resources, and then identify what you can do with those resources. Um, Or like another way is like food in your pantry. Like what are you going to make for dinner? It depends on the ingredients that you have. And if you don't have the right ingredients to make chicken pot pie, then you don't make that. You think of something else. Um, So that is the kind of the mindset that I've gone through with this project of being like, I have a friend in LA who's willing to host me. I have a friend in right now, Hoboken, who's willing to host me. And I have this audience that I'm able to leverage for partnerships with brands. And so like, those are the resources that I'm operating with. But yeah, I do think times like these really make us reflect on what the rules of the game currently are and what resources we have to help us move through it.
0: Yeah, that's great advice and a great point. Let's take a circle back. So you go out to LA your first time going back to the original story that you were telling. Tell us about that. That's where you were really now gaining some significant momentum, you had picked up a whole bunch of sponsors, which, by the way, all of Rob's 10K Friends sponsors are listed at robs10kfriends.com forward slash sponsors. Go check them out. Lots of awesome organizations, Fishtown Pharmacy, um, uh, Team Dental, Vibergent Care, uh, Philadelphia Weekly, the University of Pennsylvania, Penn Medicine as well. So lots of great sponsorships. We work. And you, you start to build this momentum. Now you're on a trip out to LA. And as you said, you were staying out there for free. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah, walk us through that. What was a, what was your feeling now that you're seeing sort of, okay, you know, we're pushing the boulder up the hill. Maybe we're gaining a little bit of momentum and it's actually starting to be a little easier to push. And what was your, your, now you're even more all in, I would imagine. Tell us what was going on in your head at that time.
1: Yeah, so it's funny because I was I was building momentum, and then I think going out there periodically killed all of that momentum in the time being. It was ultimately building momentum in ways that I didn't see, but it's like I had these sponsorships, and then I went out to LA, and no one really wanted to sponsor me anymore because I was meeting people in Los Angeles, and my entire following was in Philadelphia. And it didn't really make sense for Philly companies to sponsor something that was being done in Los Angeles. And it didn't really make sense for LA companies to sponsor something that was mainly Philly people. And so I had gone out to LA thinking like, okay, this is going to be a make, make or break summer, like something big has to happen with the project, or I'm going to go back to Philly and I'm going to jump into a full-time job again. And I had, had I'd known that I would be going back to Philly in September because my buddy Ryan was getting married in October. And his bachelor party was on the East Coast in September. So that was kind of my time frame. And I went out to LA, unfortunately, the first week that I was there, Time Out Los Angeles wrote an article on me because the the girl that I had met was a friend of someone that I had met in Philly. Uh, so I met her for my project and then she did a piece on me. So I got out there and like in one week, I had this jump of people reaching out to me and I thought to myself, this is great. Like, You just go out to LA and... And you, people, your dreams come true, like people notice you immediately, um, which happened in a very small way. And then it was crazy because it just tapered off the rest of the summer. Like I started high and then just slowly made my way lower and lower because despite that initial press piece, like I didn't have the momentum that I had in Philly. I wasn't able to find four people a day to meet. In Philly, I was meeting five people a day before I left. Um, and so it's kind of a struggle. And in August, I fortunately had a sponsorship with this company, Serengeti. It's funny, I'm actually wearing a t-shirt right now. Um, <laughs> this, I had met student ambassadors of theirs uh, in Philly from Temple University. And I was meeting a lot of different ambassadors. And so their CEO reached out to me and said, hey, I love what you're doing. We should connect sometime. And I'm 29 and, and he's 29 as well. So it was just like the two of us chatting about our own entrepreneurial paths. And then he sponsored me in August, um, which then like that guy became a really important figure. I didn't know it at the time, but we can get to it. But that, um, yeah, that was the experience. And then I came back to Philly in September. And then it was again, like building back up the momentum because people in Philly forgot that I was doing this project because for three months I was out in Los Angeles. Uh, So I came back and I think in November... Of Philly, I was able to land another partnership with um Metropolitan. It was a dog walking company run by this guy, uh Britt, and he also runs a project in Philly called Philly Unknown. And so he just supported me for that. And then it was like a wedding band sponsored me. And then I had a, a photographer sponsor me, and then Philly Weekly. And this random mix of companies that I was back in Philly. So the momentum started to pick up again. Um, and I can stop there too, because a lot of the guys in Serengeti leads into other things that lead into other things. Uh, but I'll let you. I'll stop there and let you ask of what what you want clarification on.
0: Yeah, so let's go into that partnership with Serengeti specifically. Um, yep. What do they do? What What is the organization all of all about? And how did you come together to collaborate?
1: So they are a t-shirt company. It was started by two guys that went to. Arizona State University um, or at least I know the one the guy that I know Ryan went there I'm not sure if the other guy did or not but they did a semester at sea instead of a semester abroad and they came up with the idea to have uh, like pocket t-shirts um, but the the pockets on the t shirts like the breast pocket would be made out of materials from local artisans from around the world so they would source these materials from like all different countries and then proceeds from the t shirts would then go to like causes in those countries. So the brand was centered well, a lot around project. like travel, yeah, and adventure. Um and it was cool. Like I, I, I still love the brand and their their T shirts are awesome because it's all different T shirts, but the, the pocket is like the thing that makes them pop. Um so he we just did a thing where he gave me like a discount code and I put it out to my audience and I was like, Hey, if you want to support my project, use this discount code to purchase one of these t-shirts, I'll be getting a cut of it. And he definitely gave me, it ended up being like a couple hundred dollars, but I didn't at the time even bring that much in for him. I'm sure he just kind of was like, here's, here's what we'll do. Like, we'll give you this money. Like, um, thanks for the partnership. Um, but the crazy thing is that, partnership as part of it, they had a social media audience too. And so they posted about me on their page and a girl started following me because of that. And a year later, the next time I was in LA, that girl had moved from Portland down to LA. And she was like, Hey, I've been following your project for over a year. I saw when you posted with Serengeti, like I'm finally in the LA area and I would love to meet with you. And so I met with her and then she reposted our photo to her Instagram account. And the next day I got an email that said, would love to have you on air with Ryan Seacrest. So wow. her friend had seen that post. Her friend was a producer for Ryan Seacrest's radio show. That They emailed me on a Thursday, and by Monday morning I was on the phone with him talking about my story. And so it's crazy. And then like beyond that, the next time I went out to L.A., and this was even before the Ryan Seacrest thing happened, Ryan from Serengeti introduced me to these guys who run a YouTube channel called Yes Theory. And they were just becoming really popular at the time. Like they had just put out a challenge to Will Smith to jump out of an airplane with him for his 50th birthday. And he accepted it. They did it over the Grand and It was this big thing, but they have like the most loyal audience that I've come across still to this day from anyone in my project. and they had put out like an Instagram story about me. And in that 24 hours, I had 4,000 people start following my project. Wow. And I got 400 messages from people all over the world. So they were like, because of me meeting Ryan and him introducing me to them, they opened up a lot of doors for me and gave me like that jump, obviously and followership that brands like to see. So yeah, it's, it's wild how much can be tied to just one person. It's just authentically like making an introduction for you. Wow.
0: That's absolutely incredible. And you're right. I mean, people who have that level of influence, that's why influencers get paid the big bucks, right? Because uh, they have that level of influence and one quick mention can just have that sort of, uh, I don't want to use the term viral right now, cause I don't want to freak yeah. anyone out, but can have that kind of imp- sure. exponential impact, let's say. So Awesome. Fantastic story. And congrats for, first of all, for persevering, for maintaining a positive mindset throughout all of those hurdles. There are little hurdles that are are mentioned throughout that story that you're telling. And each time it seems to me that you're the type of individual who takes a step back, resets your positive mindset and says, what can I do to take control of this current situation in a pragmatic way to continue to advance my mission, my goals, what I'm looking to do in terms of outcomes. So, uh, amazing. And thank you for that inspirational story. Yeah, thank you. So now we're recording this on March 20th of 2020. We normally don't say the date that we're recording it, but we're kind of in the midst of this COVID-19 spiral. And yesterday you posted on your Instagram account that you were finally going virtual, a decision, obviously to avoid, um, to avoid face-to-face interactions and to sort of jump on board. I think because you have a platform, a platform, you have about 35,000 plus followers. So you have a platform to help to spread this message of social distancing, not in a negative way, but more so so that we can flatten the curve and try to overcome this thing before it becomes even worse. Um, so thank you for spreading that message, first of all, and for being a leader in this time of uncertainty. But walk us through what your mindset is, what what made you, obviously you in part are, are following suit with governmental guidelines, but You decided to continue your project, to continue to grow again, faced with another hurdle that would seemingly potentially derail your project. And instead you send out a message and I saw your message immediately after. And I apologize in part because your message immediately after the message about going virtual was I got all of your messages and I'm excited to keep the project going. About 200 plus of you messaged me <laughs> to meet. So just mm-hmm. wanted to update you that I'm going through all the messages. I was one of those 200 plus and I apologize, <laughs> but I appreciate you no, making the time. Yeah, I appreciate you making the time to jump on to spread the word in, in another way. So yeah, how did you how did you come up with this decision? How are you implementing your new strategies to maintain contact and to maintain the core values of your overall mission?
1: So it's funny because one of the guys that I had met um, out in L.A., he messaged me last week uh, around the same time that I was getting ready to post about postponing the project. And he was like, hey, man, I think you might have to think about doing Zoom or Skype and maybe try to get them to sponsor the project in a way. And at the time, it's like, you know, it's crazy how much this has progressed from, okay, we're going to have to do like a two week indoor quarantine to, okay, it might be eight weeks that we have to be indoors and then all right this thing might be going on until July or August and so it just is like it's getting worse every day and the timeline's getting pushed further out and so if it was if it was just that we would be in weeks in indoors for two weeks I probably would have held off um because I probably would have stuck to the integrity of the, the in-person interaction I feel like I think there is a big difference between video chatting and being in someone's presence and being able to pick up on their body language and, and like the music of the cafe that you're in and all that stuff. I think it makes for a more rich or richer experience. Um, but yeah, I, with the the steps getting pushed further and further out and I'm living in Hoboken right now and I keep telling my roommate, I feel like we are in the thick of it. Like we don't really leave our apartment. We had since Earlier this week, we've had like 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew. And I think a lot of the stricter measures Hoboken was doing before anyone else. So it kind of feels like we're in like the epicenter uh, of like people taking strict measures. Yeah, I think going through this week and realizing initially, I was like, OK, I'll use this time to start thinking about how to best document my project from the beginning until now. And I was like I'll just I'll highlight some of the old people that I've met who had inspiring stories because they would give people perspective during this time. And I in all this time kept getting messages of people being like, Hey, you should try video chatting or hey, have you thought going on Skype? And it was really that conversation with my friend Chris from Special Books by Special Kids and him talking about how it's kind of a service to document this time for people. That for me was the tipping point and it that was like the two sides of it, too, I thought, okay, maybe it would be nice to have this time documented and it's nice to be able to connect with other people and share their stories and share now it's crazy because of those two hundred messages I've got people who messaged me from iran I've had people who messaged me from Italy, from other parts of the world, like Chile, Indonesia, um, like all of these different countries that I wouldn't have access to before, and I'm curious to hear what their um what life is like in Italy right now because I know they're going through it worse than any other country really with like the death toll um so yeah it's just making the decision kind of came from like okay this is important to document this and it's important to show that there's still connection online and, and to continue to share people's stories and for me to like, do for my audience what they're following me to do. Like my audience follows me because they're interested in other people's stories. And I don't think even if I care about the integrity of in-person that it necessarily makes a difference to them whether we're video chatting or not because the end product is they get to see this person and they get to read about their story. So after I made the decision, I was like, man, why did I put that off for so long? It makes so much sense to do it virtually. Um, But yeah, and I also, for me just sitting in our apartment in Hoboken struggling to be productive I I felt like I needed that interaction with people too um, just for my mental health to be able to sit and talk with people because that was giving me so much joy before the whole coronavirus thing started and I still have that as an opportunity to take advantage of it's just in a different way so I think for me it was just really important to get back to connecting with people.
0: Like any other millennial, I communicate a lot over text and text-based forms of communication. Obviously, I reached out to you on Instagram. So to your point, I've sent some messages out. No offense to anyone who's hearing this that didn't get a message from me yet. I'm working my way through my phone book, so just give me a little bit of time. But, <laughs> but I'm trying to, like you said, and, and partially inspired by your message on Instagram. So again, thank you for the positivity and for, for continuing to lead um, with uh sort of more emotional forms of contact or more intimate forms of contact and um, mm-hmm. so I've been reaching out to people and just saying, hey, you know, let's talk on the phone, let's hear each other's voice, let's try to stay more engaged and find new ways to connect with people And to your point, you know productivity can help get through this a lot easier uh, sitting on the couch, reading, news headlines on the internet, especially that may or may not be accurate first and foremost. And, um, some of that stuff can, can really just drive you crazy. And, you know, looking at your inspirational throwbacks, you have the story with Danny Bader. You have the story with a World War II veteran, uh, Alex Solomon. You have the story of Roz Pichardo, who, Um, had an ex-boyfriend that tried to take her life when she was 16. And then you have the story of an individual who was um, Wally Green, who was a member of a gang. And because of the kindness of another stranger ended up joining a ping pong club and essentially turning his life around really interesting stories that you post about to your point. So how what is your process now going forward to adapt to this new environment as you said and we're still uncertain to your point of how long this is going to last but um but how are you continuing to maintain that intimate contact contact and um i know you answered this to a degree but how are you walking through this process of going forward are you going to continue to do inspirational throwbacks are you going to look for other avenues to break out in this project in innovative ways or, or what's your thought process for the future?
1: Um, Right now, the way I'm thinking about it is now that I've made the decision to go virtual, I'm going to be meeting four people a day through uh, video chat. And so that will keep me busy just talking with them and and distilling their stories down to put on Instagram. And so I see it going back to what it was before. Like uh, if you were following my page, you'd see four stories a day of someone uh, who could have an inspirational story. They could be the person next door who has a completely normal life. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just kind of what I'm seeing. And maybe it's like the, the throwbacks and stuff. I'll go back to the Instagram stories for that, but yeah, from my account and it's the numbers are messed up now, but, before the coronavirus, every single post correlated to a person that I had met. So before this virus started, the last post you saw was 3,259. And that correlated to that person who I had met. And so I think I'm, I'm going to go back to just running up um, or, or posting and having the posts correlate to the number. Uh, eventually, like I want to go and archive all of the stuff that I'd posted during this time. Um, just so that the number is even again. Um, But yeah, I think it's just getting back into, into the process and then sharing the other things through uh, the Instagram stories. And for me, it's helpful because that kind of like, it helps my mind get into a routine for, for someone who lives such a spontaneous lifestyle overall, I'm really big on routines on a daily basis. And so I know that like I can move forward and make progress and feel like I'm making progress in my life by doing it that way.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And yeah, again, continue to do what you're doing. Continue to put out your message of positivity. It is helping. I'm sure there are others out there like myself that appreciate seeing you pop up in our news feeds rather than, um, scary headlines or, or potential misinformation and disinformation to that end on our podcast, we're going to have an interview with an epidemiologist from Temple university as well in the upcoming week to try to overcome not only flattening the curve of the virus itself, but flattening the curve of the disinformation and misinformation and just negativity overall that's spreading across the internet right now. I know that you know times are tough, obviously. A lot of people are sick. A lot of people have lost their lives. And we're all also dealing with our own individual situations at home and trying not to go crazy in the process, trying to maintain our sanity. But at the same time, proper information coming from verified sources can be important. So people like you are, are really doing big things, and I commend you for, for what you're doing.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's, it's nice to know that that it has an impact on people. Um, I've always done it out of a joy for meeting with people and being able to spend the time with them, and I never really thought too much about impact that it has afterwards when a story goes out and who's affected by that but it's always nice to be reminded by it and especially in these times and so i'm more than happy to continue doing that going forward and i i hope that it provides a little bit of relief for people in this time and yeah like when i was once scared earlier this week about what this might hold for my project i'm now in a place where i'm excited to see what it's going to do for it awesome Awesome.
0: And yeah, quoting your message on Twitter two days ago, and that's at Rob's 10 K friends on Twitter as well. And your message was let's keep this thing going and continue to learn about slash gain perspective from each other. We need it now more than ever. And that's a wonderful message. I really think that that's you're, you're doing great things and we really appreciate it, Rob.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Thanks for being on the show. And again, if you want to contact Rob, the best place would be through your DM On Instagram, correct. That's correct. Yeah, and that's at Rob's Ten K Friends on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also get more information about Rob on his website, which is RobsTenKFriends dot com. Thanks again for being on the show, Rob, and keep doing what you're doing. If there's anything we can do to support, let us know.
1: Thank you. We'll do and and keep up the uh, connecting on your end as well. I'm sure it's providing a similar bit of relief for people. So keep it up, and again, thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. I really appreciate that.